Dr. Pamela Heath. Welcome to the Edge broadcast. Well, thank you for having me, and may I wish you a happy 2022. Uh, indeed, it will. And I've already declared that uh, 2022 is going to be an amazing year for everyone. It, it can't be much worse than the last one. So <laughs> I think most people will just be thrilled at the idea. Yeah. Well, hey, that's uh, right. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give us some tips tonight. But but uh, Doctor Doctor He Man. Uh, handbook to the afterlife and you've got so many various uh, productions that you have in fact if people want to go to your website uh, I put a link there and you've got resources there and you've got uh, you've got um, uh, some uh, PDF files and some slideshows pretty interesting and, and it's it's really well done your website is really well done I've seen oh, thousands well, thank you I am my own webmaster so yeah. I appreciate that so I mean you get and right I to the point no advertising no, um, it's meant to be a resource because there's so much misinformation on the internet mm -hmm. that um, I used to I used to go to a lot of uh, ghost hunter meetings back in the pre-COVID era, and I would hear the same questions over and over again, and it kind of drove me nuts because I would hear other speakers say, "Well, we don't know that," and I'm thinking, "Yes, we do. <laughs> we have some very good." Um, knowledge about many of the things people were asking and I'm like and clearly it wasn't getting out there so mm -hmm. I did put together the website and the videos and the audio stuff and the pdfs and slideshows mm -hmm. all that stuff as a way to try and give people a, a source of free information that mm -hmm. they could learn from the parapsychology angle of things from someone who actually knew the research mm -hmm. Well, like I say, excellent job on that. Well done. Uh, so, so let's just, just ask a simple question. Uh, just very, very easy. Is there life after death? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Um, and uh, it's a lot harder to navigate if you don't believe in an afterlife before you die than if you do. I'll tell you that one. Uh, because it's uh, kind of hard for the spirit guides to get you moved on. If you don't have some kind of framework, it, it doesn't necessarily matter what your religious framework is if they have something they can work with that they can help you understand what's going on you're a lot better off mm -hmm. i think the spirits i i've seen throughout my life that were in the most trouble were usually skeptics mm -hmm. who did not believe in an afterlife and then they felt alive even though they were dead and they they just could not figure out what was going on and they had no no training no background no way of understanding what, what was happening to them. Mm. Now, I've heard that um, that that ghosts are, are really souls that should have went to the light, but they didn't know they're dead and they're kind of hanging around. What, what's your take on that? Well, there can be lots of different things going on. Um, that's what sort of makes it interesting whenever you do a haunting investigation is because it's almost never a single thing. It's usually a mix of different things all, all meshed together and misunderstood and confused. So you can have, for example, place memory, uh, which is not a, an active spirit. You, you can still be alive. You don't even have to be dead mm -hmm. to have people see place memory that you recorded of yourself. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, I've run into that before where um, I ran into a guy who didn't believe in ghosts, but he did believe in place memory because he had actually been seen by a living person and he was still alive. He was telling me this story and they saw him like he was a ghost, but he had just been in a very emotional time and he had 
probably used mind matter interaction to record the environment and then people saw it and they thought it was a ghost. It wasn't, it was him, please memory. You can see, I think um, some, sometimes they are spirits without consciousness. Sometimes they are spirits with consciousness and there may be some things going on like time slips that people misunderstand and think it's a, a ghost and uh, you have two different time periods seeing each other at the same physical time. Mm -hmm. um, so do you believe in Lots the, do you, okay, do you believe in the multiverse theory? Um, I do, actually. So, so is it possible that, and I don't know if this connects to the multiverse theory, some part of it would be, but are we living lives somewhere else right now? There are versions of ourselves. I kind of think of it like, if you were to ever see how a bee has a vision of the world, you ever seen an, an image of a bee's eyes and how they see? Yeah, I'm a beekeeper. Like lots of little hexagons. Mm -hmm. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. So they're seeing different versions all over, slightly okay. different. Okay. okay, I can see that. They have, That's yeah. sort of the way I view the multiverse. Okay, okay. so yeah, they're oh. and, and see, now there you go. Because now I'm thinking, let's say, for instance, when it comes to uh, uh transvestites I figure well, okay well, there's male and female but maybe in a multiverse they got confused and they've come to this side they say we're a woman over there but now they're a man over here and, and they have this residual desire to be what they were how about that well it can be that it can be other things too though I mean if you've had a lot of past lives and I do believe in past lives you've had a lot of them in one gender it could be hard to switch over mm -hmm. and it could also be that they had done a a blueprint where part of what they wanted to learn was um, to to live life from a different viewpoint. So mm -hmm. to live it as a transvestite. So I believe there's all kinds of different possibilities going on. And it's the same as like with parapsychology. You're going to get people upset because they think it's one thing or another, and it's not. It's multiple things that can be happening. Okay. Well, hey, we got a number of questions coming in. Here's one from uh, the avatar name of Cardinal Sin. It says, do we have hands in the afterlife? If you think you do. I mean, what's interesting about conscious spirits, which we'll call, you know, ghosts with awareness, like people traditionally think of ghosts, that they, they can see you, they're aware of the living, they can react. They appear the same way they think of themselves. So if they think of themselves and they don't think about shoes, they won't have shoes. If they think of themselves and they're extremely depressed, they may be a gray blob and have no hands and just sort of be this featureless, formless thing. So basically, and, and you can actually see someone who died when they were 100 as a five-year-old little girl or little boy. So it's how do they think of themselves in that moment is how they see themselves and how you may see them. You can't necessarily be too literal. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we have this from Put Yahweh First. And I don't know if you've looked at the website, but we had a couple polls up there uh, and related to the to tonight's topic or actually to, to the guest, which is you. One of them, of course, is ESP. So um, yeah. and I'm going to give you the results of that. Of course, the, the answers yeah. are uh, not at all. Yes, I have it. What is it? I have intuition. The results right now is 61 or 63 percent of people say they have intuition. 26% say they have ESP, and then uh, another 10% say they have nothing at all. But at least the fourth one's not mentioned or not checked because it says, uh, what is it? So evidently, everybody knows. 
what it what it is. And so this question is relevant to that poll. And uh, from put Yahweh first says, can can you move objects with your mind? Can I personally? Well, yeah, it just said I, use. I, I don't know. I've done I've done mind matter interaction. Um, I find it interesting how often people have had experiences that they don't recognize what happened. And I ran into this when I was doing my dissertation because I was interviewing people about the experiences they'd had. So I could try and tease apart what were the key aspects of the, the lived experience and what was sort of irrelevant shaft you should ignore its distraction and, and sort of boring down on common ground. And, and when I was interviewing people, a lot of times they said, well, I can do this, but I can't do that. You know, or I've had ESP, but I've never had uh, mind matter interaction or, or the other way around. Mm -hmm. And the more you start talking to them and asking about their experiences, you start, they started to realize, no, they'd had a lot more experiences than they'd realized. You know, it's like, and sometimes it's how you ask the question. For example, if you ask most people, if you walk into a room where there was just a fight, you know, you missed the fight, but you walk in, there was just a fight. How many people, and there might not even be any people in the room anymore. How many people can sort of feel that in the room? And most people will say, yes, I can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're picking up on something. Um, how you label it and how well you can recognize it when it's sort of slapping you in the face depends in part on your culture. And you sometimes see it with gender that it's sort of more accepted in, in one gender than another, which depends on the culture you grow up in. So you talk to you talk to, for example, cultures that are very open to the afterlife and to seeing uh, dead ones return. Mm -hmm. And like you may get a hundred percent of widows and widowers will get a visit within a week after the death. Mm -hmm. But if you talk to a culture where there's it's um, not considered as accepted, then you know you don't know if their denial has made them oblivious to it or it just didn't happen, but there's a strong cultural component to how much people are going to say yes to that. Mm -hmm. All right. Smoke C from the live chat says, uh, uh, doctor is, is it really death when we die or is it just a transition from one realm to another? I think it's the latter. I would agree with them. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the, one of the things I liked about handbook to the afterlife, which was, uh, my third book, I think. Um, is that when John and I were sort of kicking around what to do with that book, whether to even write it, because there are so many books about the afterlife. And we realized every book we'd seen about the afterlife only talks about it as a place. And they talk about, oh, well, you're going to have pearly gates or you're not, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and there's tremendous cultural variation between what people see. And we realized that in point of fact, it is, it is exactly like life in the sense that if you study psychology, you'll learn there's different stages of life. And it depends on whether you look at Erickson, you know, Erickson or Maslow or who is to how they name those, Piaget for the child mm -hmm. stages. But every stage of the, the human lived experience, mm -hmm. you're going through a developmental phase. Mm -hmm. And there are things you're supposed to learn and master and then and then that sort of moves you to the next phase. Mm -hmm. We realize the afterlife is the exact same. It's a continuation of a process that started during life. And, and there's different phases with different things you have to learn. 
different ways you can get stuck and messed up and then and then what happens next and how you progress farther. Mm -hmm. And so what Handbook to the Afterlife talked about was those different stages. And it is from a definite perspective that it's the same as life in the sense that you've, you've got things to learn. Mm. Well, I, I do have some news for my, for my Christian friends there. There are no pearly gates mentioned in the Bible, nor is there little fat naked babies called cherubims and uh, St. Pete's not going to meet you at the gate. There's no, there's no recording of that anywhere in the Bible, but those are myths that sort of come up that doesn't disclaim what's in the Bible, but there are things that come alongside yeah. it that I think we need to address here. Just face, face to, you know, face to face. All right. Here's a question from our moderator, Jade, who's running both our chats in our YouTube streaming channel and both on our, uh -huh. our website. It says, uh, doctor, what's the difference between ESP and tuition? I think, I think it's just a matter of semantics. I think ESP is how some people I think, let me, let me reword this. Intuition is a far more accepted type of ESP that most people can accept. So I found throughout my medical career that, right. that people get very bound up in language. And if I was getting um, a psychic hit about something, depending on who I was talking to, they would be more apt to accept it if I used the right terminology. So like with a surgeon, you talk about gut feelings. Surgeons like guts, it's part of the body. You talk about a gut feeling, they're more apt to listen to what you have to say. General, in the general culture, intuition is a word that is very well accepted. Now, what you have to remember with intuition is it's not going to be pure ESP. It's going to be all, all psychic information comes through the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the less you've worked on your own personal baggage, the more accurate ESP is going to be contaminated by information from your unconscious. So you might have a, a deathly fear of something like, oh, that bridge might not have anything to do with mm -hmm. what you're getting ESP wise. It could be what's coming from your unconscious mm -hmm. mind, your unconscious fears. So, so in, um, uh, in, in the original matrix, uh, the little boy there was able to bend a spoon with his mind. Now that's, that's telekinesis, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we call it temporary metal softening. Yes. So is that, is, do these things work hand in hand telekinesis, so to speak, and ESP? A lot of people think they're the same thing. <laughs> this one I did years ago. Wow. Um, you did a that. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. When you're, when you're, what's interesting about ESP and, and PK or what's now known as mind matter interaction, mm -hmm. just because it's a more accurate term, is that the more you study them, the more you start to realize they may be the same thing by two different words. So that's why a lot of parapsychologists <clears throat> will talk about psi, the word P-S-I, mm -hmm. because, because we aren't really sure whether we're talking about something where we're affecting the universe or, or we're getting information, or if it's this sort of mix where you're getting constant feedback intuitively um, at the same time as you're acting on, mm. on the world around you, so to speak. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. with metal softening, what you, what you do is you focus on putting energy into, into something. And generally you're just sort of 
sort of tapping it in the air and you wait for it to just, and you suddenly feel a shift. Like it's suddenly really, really, really soft. And it's just like a spaghetti noodle and you just do whatever. Um, the more interesting one I ever saw was someone who tied a pencil in a knot right in front of a friend of mine, a wood pencil, ordinary number two wood pencil, tied it in a knot. Mm -hmm. And uh, so is that it, I haven't been able to do. All right. But is it then that people have certain powers within our mind or our conscious uh, that we don't know that we have? We all have these abilities. Uh, when you look at the actual research, um, we got away from dealing with stars or people who had developed their talent greatly years ago because there was just too much fraud. There was too much, you know, uh, reason to cheat. Mm -hmm. uh, so we look at ordinary people, most of whom don't feel they have any abilities. And what we find is they have, they have abilities. It might be a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, what I think most people don't realize about psi phenomenon is a lot of times uh, it will only develop in your 30s. So I know for myself, I, I thought of it as something that you would have all your life or not at all. But mm -hmm. apparently it's a sort of a need based thing. What you need in your life to survive that you can't get in ordinary ways, it may fill in that gap. So like police officers who need it, the blue sense is what they'll mm -hmm. call it. Mm -hmm. Firefighters will often have that extra intuition when, when the fire is going to change so they can avoid danger. Ooh. Soldiers will talk about it. Um, it's a needs-based thing. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that is that if you have your needs change, your abilities may also change. Mm -hmm. So there were things I could do when I was working as a physician, for example. I'd know what kind of emergency I was going to do at what time of the night. I mean, I know like, oh, go to bed early. There's going to be a two o'clock in the morning OB-10 case. Mm -hmm. Go to bed, two o'clock in the morning, get woken up for an OB-10 case, that kind of thing. I, I can't do that now. It's not important to me. I don't take calls. <laughs> so. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, Pamela. I, uh, I looked at my bank account and I was seeing, trying to add zeros to it uh -huh. and I couldn't do it. So in fact, what happened was I got fined. All right, so we've got another we've got a question for you from Rose Renault says, Dr. Pamela says, how can you tell if a real ghost, it's a real ghost or a, 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 de, a demonic entity? Well, there's, there's a couple, a couple ways. Um, and we're talking about people who aren't, who don't have a lot of experience dealing with spirits, you know, because um, I know for me, I will feel different levels of spirit, high or low, as different temperatures. So really high spirit, I'm freezing to death. It can be 90 degrees. I'm, a, I'm in my warmest parka, shivering to death. It could be a real low spirit, and I'll feel them as very warm and just ugh, don't want to be near them. But I think, I think what you want to look at is if you are getting messages or you feel you're getting messages from a spirit, are they helpful or are they unhelpful? If they are helping you to be a better person and mm -hmm. to live a better life mm -hmm. and to be happier mm -hmm. and to get along better with people, then it's probably a positive spirit. Okay. Okay. If it's, if it's saying, if it's saying negative things to you, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't want it. And you always have spirit guides. Mm -hmm. You can always ask them, 
to protect you. You can now, visualize is, is yourself it, surrounded by white light, that kind of stuff. Dr. Pam, is, is it possible that our own conscious, our own thoughts, may, we may be misinterpreting them as spirit guides? Um, absolutely. It's really, it's really tricky, but, but it gets back to the bottom line. Is it helpful? Is it not? Mm -hmm. And then take things with a grain of salt. It's the same as people who remember their past lives. You can't get too literal. You have to sort of take a step back and say, okay, this may be coming from me. This may be coming from a better source. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have a lot of experience and you haven't worked on your own issues, your own baggage a mm -hmm. great deal, it's going to be hard to tell. And sometimes it's even hard to tell when you have worked on your own stuff, it's like, okay, this is going to be a tricky one. Mm -hmm. um, but you can always go back to that touchstone. Is this really helpful? Mm. Is this not okay. helpful? Okay. And I, I, I do understand that. And, but there's also, uh, you mentioned past lives. There's also this scripture out there in the Bible in Hebrews. It says, it's pointed unto men once to die after that judgment. Now, I, I happen to subscribe to that. I haven't, because I haven't been convinced and I haven't seen somebody who's been dead that came back. Am I just not seeing them correctly or what's the situation there? Um, my understanding is that originally, the original Christian faith at the time just after Christ passed, uh, did believe in reincarnation. They believed in about three. I think it got, got kicked out of the scripture around five or 600 AD. Um, but I would say the most interesting evidence for reincarnation, what sort of changed my mind about it, was a, a book called 20 Cases Suggestive, Suggestive of Reincarnation by Dr. Mm -hmm. Ian Stevenson, mm -hmm. who's a psychiatrist out of the University of Virginia. And what he looked at is he went to third world countries where people didn't have access to multimedia, they couldn't go to movies, they never saw TV. Most people had never traveled more than a few couple miles from their home. And if you can talk to children, usually between the ages of three and five, these children could accurately describe entire past lives. They could identify people in their family. They could tell how they died. Sometimes they had birthmarks related to how they died. Sometimes they could speak an entire language they'd never been exposed okay. to. Gotcha. So when you get all this information from children, like I say, it's usually between three and five. And, and of course, it's hard in the U.S. because they could just be pulling it from some TV show they watched. Mm -hmm. But in a third world country, it was like, mm -hmm. these are interesting cases mm -hmm. suggestive of reincarnation. And that's what kind of yes, and, and, opened and, and I, I, I am aware. I'm aware of those. And mm -hmm. I found them very intriguing. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that just kind of goes with my, my sort of belief world view that there's a heck of a lot more going on around us than we know. Um, and I think that we can live more spiritual lives or more worthy lives, better lives. You, you mentioned try to live better if we are, if we are more attuned to that spiritual realm around us, you know, man, that goes around, come around. It's not just a thing that, that kind of is a thing. And, uh, yeah. you know, so you got that going on. Yeah. Anyway, bunches of questions coming in for you, Dr. Pam. Here's one. Um, and you just addressed that one. So freely speaking out of the live chat. And by the way, if you're watching this program on a YouTube channel, the chat is on the right lower part. It will pop up. And if you're watching this show on our website, the chat is at the top on the left. They both pop out and they're both connected. All right. So freely speaking says, Dr. Does one have to die to be brought back to life in order to understand the afterlife? No, there's a, well... 
there are a lot of people who've had what they call near-death experiences. Usually that means briefly dying. You know, it can be a, a second, a fraction of a second. It can be hours in some cases. Um, and those, there's a lot of books out there you can read on near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. um, they've been studied quite a bit. You still have the problem of it's going to be, um, it's going to have cultural bias to some extent. Different people are going to report different things depending on their expectations. It's sort of, um, we, even, even in life, some of us have rose-colored glasses. Some of us see everything as glass empty, mm -hmm. you know, you have the same thing with the afterlife. So they may have legit experiences, but it's going to be colored by their own psyche, their own personality mm -hmm. and their baggage. So um, I've heard, heard a lot of people and, it, and I've said this many times, but I've had so, covered so many different topics since 2004, that, since I've been doing this and um, that uh, uh, about people coming back from the dead, they always have a similar type of experience. They see a bright light. They may be greeted by somebody, these kinds of things. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of them say they floated up. Y'all know you've heard this, you know, they float up above their body. So there, there are similar accounts of near death experiences that I, all through these years. So is it that they're all aware of the same story or is, is this the way it is? Now there's, there's some cultural differences. Like I think in Japan, they cross a bridge. They don't see the white light and float. They, they, Cross a bridge, um, so there's a certain amount of cultural variation in the near near death experiences. Mm -hmm. There's also a variation between what I call positive and horrific near death experiences. So you'll have some people who will never want to talk about their near death experience because it was so horrible. Um, and usually, those are people who haven't worked on their psychological baggage. Mm -hmm. And I figure the afterlife is trying to sort of um, show them they really need to buckle down. Well, and, doctor, and I don't, I don't know if you know this, but we, we had a, we had a doctor on, on the show who, uh, a medical doctor who worked in, in the um, emergency room who saw people die, flatline and come back. And so that intrigued him about near-death experiences. So he interviewed over a thousand near-death experiences. We had him on the show. And he said a full 25% of them had what he called near hell experiences. Yeah, yeah. So, so now yeah. I, I gotta <laughs> say, to say. <laughs> I, I gotta say, They're not all great. <laughs> let, let, let me bring up, uh, let me bring up a stage thing here for the folks here. Let me get, uh, I gotta move okay, some sure. things so they can see that clearly. I'll get out of the screen too as well. Okay, so that's all they're seeing right there is the first stage is recognizing death looks like. And this, this is from your website and it's uh, mm -hmm. from some of those really easy to see things that you present. So separating from the body, meeting spirit helpers. And so you, you're showing sort of kind of moving through different uh, stages, I guess. You know, so how long does this take as, as you go down through what you say is the what happens? It just varies because it can be very, very fast. Those first five stages can go very fast if somebody understands that they've died and and that they should be looking for helpers and and move onward. I mean, it, it can be literally, you know, well, time moves differently in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. So I hate, I hate to give a time estimate, but it can be very, very fast. Um, the separating for the body is something that can be cultural to a certain extent. So if you look at 
some of the people who um, channeled this information back to us in the early 1900s, they thought that they were stuck on their body, stuck with their body for three days. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of a, a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. uh, different people would report different things. So what we tried to do is we were actually looking at like 500 books of channeled material and we threw out the ones that were clearly bogus. Mm -hmm. You know, some people it's just, they were channeling their own mm -hmm. beliefs. They weren't channeling from the spirits. But but we got from as many different cultures in many different eras, starting with the Egyptian Book of the Dead, you know, Tibetan Book of the Dead, uh, Islamic Book of the Dead, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, well, they all kind of did. Okay. Some of the Christian, great Christian well, uh, prophets. Uh, so we started from that, but we also looked at recent stuff and, and we tried to sort of separate out the stuff that seemed to be cultural mm -hmm. or depending on a certain era rather than yeah. going through well, it, it looks it, it looks like from what i can see is that reading that is that uh, uh i mean i i'm not perceiving you, you addressing that 25 percent, and i you know i understand oh, because that's a near-death experience that's yeah. not yeah that's so, not entering the afterlife fully that's so, the near-death right. experience people it's usually um they may, they may meet spirit helpers, go immediately through the levels or be taken to a really low level where mm -hmm. they have the horrible experience. Well, there, there, there is another, another low level is in the book of Luke here. I've got the scripture up here. It says, mm -hmm. a rich man died and buried. Now, that rich man encapsulates somebody who doesn't know Christ is what that is. That's anybody who mm -hmm. has lived a life without basically God in their life, that type of thing. And it says in hell, he lived up. So they, they immediately, now you say what happens to people immediately after they die. This here, this scripture here is a, where's where I got a point here? It is, it is a, wait a minute, I'm getting my, that, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That way, that way, that way, right there. Got it. Okay. So this is addressing hell. This is addressing the 25% right here. And so now I didn't see that in, in yours and, and you say they go to a low level. This sounds like a pretty low level right here. What do you think? Yeah, be near the be near the earth plane. So from from what I've seen, we often create our own hells and sometimes there are joint hells. Okay. And mm -hmm. you know, when we when we talk about the different levels, I don't usually address um, the near death experiencers because they aren't dead long enough mm -hmm. to go through a lot of it. And so I think for a few of them do talk about meeting spirit helpers and being brought mm -hmm. to where they're shown in, you know, shown materials, shown information, and then they're brought back to their body. Mm. Um, the people who have been through a hell type experience, I did not interview, <laughs> most of them don't want to talk about it, mm. Um, cause I had a friend who went through one and, and she, she wouldn't talk about it. Absolutely would not talk about it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I could understand, <laughs> uh, other than she was scared to death of dying, which mm. well. wasn't particularly helpful, but, but I suspect some of that is, well, let me tell you a story about that. Let me, t let me, doctor, let okay. me tell you a story about the fear of dying. This is in okay. secular history. You may okay. know this already. But back in the Roman Colosseum days, when they persecuted the Christians, they would bring them out to the Colosseum, and they would chain them to a pole, and then they bring out the lions. It sounds like a movie, but it's it's true. It's what they yeah, did. Yeah, it's real. 
And yeah. of course, they were persecuting the Christians. They tried to stamp that out. And uh, because it was challenging, they, they perceived it was challenging the, the rule of the Caesar. So they want to make a spectacle out of them. Well, uh, certain Christians, this is from secular history. And this is certain Christians, when they were near certain death and the lions were coming to get them, it, it is recorded, it said that they wore their, some wore their chains as, as their chains as necklaces, as badges of honor. Whereas others screamed in horror and pleaded that they would deny this Christ person that was, they were all worried about. And, but you know, the people that weren't fearful of death, it says literally that people in the Colosseum stands jumped out and went down to them and asked, what is this faith you have that you don't have this fear of dying? You are going about ready to get mauled apart. They wanted whatever it was they had inside that would keep them from that kind of fear. So you talk about the fear of death. And I think sort of the, the, the false apostates, those who don't know Christ, kind of had that fearful thing. They didn't know where they're going, kind of like, like you just said about this person. They didn't know where they're going. So yeah, they're going to have this intrinsic fear. It's going to overwhelm. So they can't even think about it. But you know what? It's appointed that a man wants to die. At some point, doctor, you and I both know that we're going to go to the great beyond and see what's over there. Yep. And that's when we'll know the real truth. So, so be aware. I'm not arrogant about saying I know for a fact exactly what it is. I don't. I don't think any of us do until we're there. In fact, some, somebody pointed out in a live chat, I'm watching it live. There's, there was a song written for this. It, it, it was called Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh, yeah. No, I know it well. It's a little oyster cult. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning that on my guitar, too. It's a little tricky. All right, so here we go. Another Good question. Call. Got more great questions in for you, doctor. Uh, does uh, can ghost be the fallen angels or something called the Nephilim? I don't think that's what ghosts are. Is what I would say. I mean, most of the ghosts I've run into were either people or animals. Um, now, how do we know, doctor? How do we know that we're not dead? And this is all an illusion. How do we know that? I mean, I see you digitally. You may not even exist. I could be talking to another universe. How do I know? Well, you could be talking. Yeah, we actually, if you want to talk about uh, electronic uh, phenomenon, ITP, instrumental transcommunication, mm -hmm. there was a whole area of uh, research that was looking at um, the, the spirits in the afterlife being able to send uh, radio or television signals mm. back to the living. Uh, and and they were able to capture stills of different people mm -hmm. and they they gave information unfortunately one of the big researchers in that did get caught in doing fraud so mm. it sort of discredited that area it's the same with the animal size somebody got caught budging data mm -hmm. so you end up throwing it all out you don't know there may have been some legit stuff it's hard to say yeah well you know um, a, a couple of years ago somebody got caught putting a a, a Bigfoot in a freezer and it was it, it was just sewn together bare skin over some animal parts and you know we all thought we got the Bigfoot man and boy did that ruin it for a lot of us out here that's looking for the big yeah. guy we're out here looking for this big guy now somebody's got him in his freezer chest and it's a fraud so you know that puts a bad light on, on the whole thing and it's really yeah. it's a real downer for me I, I just gotta say <laughs> so. well I, I think whenever you're approaching these phenomena, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. For example, what you'll run into is a lot of ghosts will lie about who they are mm. and what they are. Mm 
-hmm. and and they you know they do it because they want attention it's sort of like um you have them walk in and you think oh maybe that's um some famous actor and you go of course i am you know and it's like because you know they'll get more attention you know uh, it's the same with spirits so um i never get attached to who they say they are mm-hmm. um i mean if it's somebody that you know if it's a family member or relative who comes back sometimes they will it'll be something very specific that will make it clear that yeah this really is that person and not somebody pretending but for the most mm-hmm. part i don't care if they say they're a prince you know whatever from the planet beetlejuice it, it doesn't matter to me it's it's they're a spirit well, they're going to either thinking, be helpful or unhelpful <clears throat> and there's a, a there's a famous quote in a movie called doom and mm-hmm. and the rock is in it and and he, they're out there killing zombies and he tells his guys, he says, this this time when you kill them, make sure they stay dead, because yeah. they weren't staying dead, family. And I don't, I don't got no use for the dead coming around and festering the living. I mean, the dead need to stay dead, or I'm going to kill them again. They're going to be. I'll just keep on doing that. Some kind of twilight zone thing. All right, here you go. Um, what is the purpose of somebody, or what is the? This is from absolutely nobody. What is the purpose of someone who is dying being visited by dead relatives? And I've had to help my family. It's to help them reorient towards the afterlife. When you're dying, you're thinking about all you're losing. You've, you've had your whole life on this. You're thinking about the friends you're losing. You're thinking about the loved ones you're losing, the job you're losing, the career, whatever. You're thinking about what you're losing. Mm-hmm. When you have greeters, especially family, and I've seen this too when my mom died. Um, come visit it it changes the orientation from what you're losing to what you're gaining so it makes it easier that that parting of life parting from life easier because you're realizing it's not all loss it's also gain Mm -hmm. okay let's get to another one here this is from uh shawana kiev uh says doctor can traumatic events increase ESP or intuition? Absolutely. You know, like I say, it's needs-based. If you, if you need something, if, if you need to have that ESP, if you need to have that mind-matter interaction, there's no other normal way for you to easily get those needs met. You can do all kinds of amazing things. I mean, you hear stories of women lifting cars off babies um, yes. when the car weighs more than they can physically lift heard that mm-hmm. and 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 so it's an extreme emotion there's no other way to get this you desperately want it you're you may well be able to do it so yeah we do see things like that whether you continue to do that is a little bit up to the unconscious mind there were some studies done in the past where they used hypnosis to reactivate the ability to move objects or that kind of stuff. So um, it's something that the unconscious mind <clears throat> appears to be able to turn on and off. Mm-hmm. Um, and going on to, you mentioned we were talking about the uh, going to the light. Uh, again, uh, there is, uh, biblically, that's not in there, going to the light. There's so many, there are some things that just kind of, because you, you, you talked about cultural influence. I mentioned the, the fat little cherub babies and they're always naked. I'm always concerned with that, especially today. <laughs> Okay, there's no such yeah. thing. The cherubs in the Bible would be at these 
fearsome 13 foot dudes that had flaming sword. And there, there's, there's no apple on the tree. It never said it was an apple. And then if you ask, 90% of Americans will say the, the animals went into the ark two by two. That's not the case. It was two by two some and seven by seven others. So there are cultural things. And one of those is this light thing. There's nothing ever recorded about going in the afterlife, going to light. But yet a lot of people have said that. Now, as far as talking to people who are dead, uh, I'm going to show something here that's very personal to me. I'm just going to share myself a little bit here and get out of the way. Um, so I went, and this is my mom. I cleaned her grave. Mm -hmm. I never knew her. She died when I was only uh, two or two. And uh, so I went to clean her grave. But I talked to her while I was there. I didn't get a response. And... But I felt in my heart that she she was happy that I was there. So I think sometimes, and then the people say you should never talk to the dead. Well, I, I think there are cases that has to be sort of put in, in perspective uh, on that. There are times when it does come up and it's perfectly fine. And you're not going to burn in, in hell like we showed that scripture earlier. Send those on Christ. So, so there are times. And, you know, I've, I'm... And I mentioned to you before as well that uh, I know somebody with family members who another family member appeared to them on their deathbed. They were in hospice and they, it was my oldest brother. And he said his second brother down visited him. And of course he wasn't there. So I don't know, you know, it, it could be psychological. Uh, it, it could be real. Uh, do you think it's a combination of both? Would say... Generally speaking, when I've talked to people who saw a visitor like that, they gave enough details that it sounded real to me. Um, could it be imagination? Sure, it could. It could. They could be hallucinating. But I think most of the time, the people I've talked to, it just, you know, how you, when you talk to somebody and they give you a story, you can sometimes tell: is this is this real? Did this really happen, or is this person spinning a yarn like a West Texan likes to spin yarns? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, they, they I, do. I went to sabbatical school in wait, Texas, wait, wait. so that, I know is, about Texans. Um, but but most of the ones I've talked to who describe it, there's just something. It's sort of like the difference between a precognitive dream and a regular dream. There's a different feel to it. Um, a precognitive dream that comes true in the next month or three months or whatever. Usually it has more details. It has an odd vividness to it. There's just something about it that's, that sets it apart from a regular dream. I think it's the same with these visitors. So if you're talking to them, a lot of times, there's something about their story when you're listening to it that it just feels like this, this really happened. Although, you know, you'll get other people who are clearly hallucinating and especially if they've taken too many amphetamines and get the paranoid schizophrenia wow. but, you know there's a different feel to it okay uh, that brings me to to uh, let me see what we have here uh, there's a story I don't know if this is this scripture let me see if I can see what this scripture says here it says uh, their death and Hades gave up the dead and they were judged according to their work. So we mentioned earlier, as I, I was, I've, I mentioned earlier that there are people that when they die, they go to another place. Some people go and experience. Now you, you gave a, 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 a PDF file or a, a, a file of what, what you believe happens. But then I've mentioned the other 25%. And this is, this is, this is one of them uh, where they're judged according to work. But 
there, the story goes that there's uh, somebody that's in this place, this place called Hades or hell. Some people call it hell, Hades. I'm not sure what the difference is, but they're talking to somebody that's in the nether realm. And they're saying, you know, I want to come up, you know, tell my, fr tell my brothers because they're, they're, they're on this earth plane and they don't believe in this afterlife. Talk about, you know, they don't believe there is no such thing as afterlife. And we're talking about the handbook to the afterlife. So this would be appropriate conversation to have. But, you know, the other side says to him, well, we could send a prophet. We could send miracles. They're still not going to believe. They're dead set in, in their paradigm that there's no afterlife. And somebody's down in Hades saying, well, there is an afterlife. But this guy who's in Hades didn't know he was dead because he was talking and or he was waiting. So the dead was able to speak from Hades to people in another realm. It's really amazing stuff when you talk about different realms and uh, uh, different dimensions that, that, you know, when you look at, say, that, that was written 2,000 years ago, but, you know, put it in today's context, it could have been another dimension he was talking to. Um, could be, but, but there's also, it's interesting how often the dead are not aware of other dead that are around them. So they, they, they sort of almost are in different bubbles in an odd way. Um, sometimes they're deliberately kept that way. If, you know, the one thing I think that you would agree with is the afterlife is based on love. Mm. Okay. That's how, that's how the all, the source God mm. operates. Mm -hmm. He's on love. Okay. And so if you have people who know nothing but hate, Ooh. you don't want them contaminating a world that operates on love. So you might sort of buffer them almost like a, a sound buffer, energy buffer mm -hmm. to keep that hate from bleeding out to everyone else. So, so in some cases, the spirit guides apparently do separate people and, and buffer them. Like you talk about the suicide bombers that mm -hmm. they get, you know, buffered mm -hmm. from the other population. Um, and you get some people who sort of self buffer. They'll, you know, they have these self-creating prophecies. Do you remember um, the old Robin Williams movie? Uh, what was it? What Worlds May Come or something like that about, about someone who'd committed suicide and they were stuck in this sort of hell scape. Mm -hmm. um, and he was trying to break through to them, find a way to help them move forward. Mm -hmm. And so to a certain extent, it, I, that does seem to be accurate in the sense that people will create their own hells. Okay. You know, or their own worlds, or they may create a very, you know, you'll see scientists who want to live in little communities. That's why we didn't focus on what it looks like, because you're going to get a thousand different answers for what it looks like. Um, but what you do see that stays the same, regardless of how it looks, is that there are stages that they're working through. One of them that appeared in every single culture from the dawn of time that we could find was judgment. Judgment happens in every version of this. But usually there's an emphasis of self-judgment, but there's also those who make sure that you don't let yourself off too lightly or right. too harshly. Okay. All right. We have this question here. It says, do you believe in a life review? This is from Smoke C. Out of yeah. Chat. Do you believe yeah. in a life so review when about. we transition over? How does that work in your opinion, doctor? Oh, oh, 
a lot of times, oh, you're talking about where you see the life flash before your eyes. It, well, it says, do you believe in a life review when we transition over? So it sounds to me like you're already gone. You're on the other side. And now you're getting a life review. Well, it can occur in two different ways. As you die, some people will have their life flash before their eyes. It's not uncommon to hear that. But that's not that's not the later stage. The later stage would be on that next slide you didn't show, uh, reviewing and judging the life. And it's, a, it's something that can take a long time, especially depending on how long a life you've lived and how many things you need to consider or reconsider or learn from. And... Right that reviewing and judging your life um, can take a very long time. Generally, it takes a fair time no matter what because you're looking at every experience you had in life and, and what could well, you glean from that? How could you have done it differently? What might have been better how, or not? Well, how long do you think that'll take? Depends on, you know, <laughs> you they know, life talk review. about... Is it is you talk it, about someone who's who was a really horrible person? It could be a thousand years. Oh, if, oh, if you oh. talk about the average person, it seems to be uh, months to years. Um, the thing, the other thing to sort of emphasize, you know, we broke this up into different stages, and I emphasize some of the stages like visiting the li living can be optional, but you're not necessarily stuck in one phase nonstop. So for example, you spend a little time recovering. Say you had a long debilitating illness. You need to get your energy back. Maybe you maybe you visit your funeral just, you know, to see loved ones there one more time. Um, uh, you, do, you go back, you do a little more recovery work because that exhausted you. Then maybe you do some of the reviewing and judging of your own life. And then and then you're like that exhausts you. So you you go back and recover, and then you're going to do some reviewing of the life, but you want to actually be there. So you visit the places where you were alive, mm -hmm. um, not because you're a ghost, not because you're stuck, but because the spirit guides are with you, helping you sort of relive that experience enough that you can learn, learn more from it. Mm -hmm. So, so it's not like you're just always going from one step to next, to next, to next. You can be going back and forth several times. Okay. But reviewing the life is going to be a long one because it's very important. That's that's how you learn. When you talk to spirits who have been nonstop stuck as ghosts versus spirits who have gone to the light, learned from it, become better people and come back. They're very different. Mm -hmm. And you have to emphasize this sometimes, especially with the living who can't forgive somebody who was abusive. Well, let's, let's talk about that. How big of an effect <laughs> is unforgiveness in this life? What is it? How does that affect you in the next life? It's hard. <clears throat> You're talking psychological baggage. Does it slow? No. Does it slow your progression? Does it? Does it send you to a lower, as you say, a lower <clears throat> realm? Or I'd say both. Forgiveness is important. Forgiveness is important. It's, you know, if you cannot forgive, okay. if you can't forgive others, you can't forgive yourself either. They're connected. Right. I could, I could see that. Okay. okay. So then, so then any transgression you've done, you can't forgive yourself. You can't forgive others. It's going to be very hard to move forward. You've got to learn that forgiveness. 
And, and from what I see, the first step towards learning that forgiveness is perhaps remembering gratitude. Well, okay. Hey, by the way, those just joining the live <laughs> chat, Cardinal Sin, welcome to the program. Uh, uh, a hound jog, welcome. Pony Red Rose 2000 and GF07. We're talking to uh, Dr. Pamela Heath about Handbook to the Afterlife. She's given her views and perspectives. We do have a link to her website. If you go down and look around, it's very easy to, to maneuver website there. You might take a look there and see what uh, you might learn from that. All right, let's get to another question for you, doctor. It says, do you, this is from Teflon Coat, do you ever work with near-death patients? And have you ever, have you developed any new talents or psychic abilities? Um, I developed my abilities in my 30s. And it was, it was quite a shock because <laughs> I was one of the many who thought that you were either born psychic or you weren't. Okay. And, uh, and I probably had, you know, looking back on it, a few things when I was a little kid that were sort of hints okay. that I had this ability, but um, I didn't recognize it. And um, it was useful. What I found is, and it wasn't just people who had had near, I didn't have anyone who had a near death experience for me on the table as an anesthesiologist. Um, probably partly because they were just too deep under to remember. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you're going to get into, <laughs> we're talking about this, states of consciousness. And what's interesting is what you learn in one state of consciousness, you can't always remember in another state of consciousness. Okay, okay. So you might learn it under the anesthetic state, but it's so deep that unless you were under anesthesia again, you wouldn't remember it. It's the same reason they tell students if you if you do all your studying while you're using marijuana, you better use marijuana for the test because you're going to be in an altered state. You need to be able to remember. <laughs> you need to be in the same state you learn the material in. Um, or uh, people, you know, a lot of people get their information during dreaming. People are more psychic as they're falling off asleep, as they're dreaming, as they're waking up. It's a it's more psychic. They're more psychic states. You're more apt to get psychic information then. So you keep a notepad by the paper and you jot it down before you're fully awake. Because as soon as you're awake, you'll forget. Yeah. But it was. Yeah. I've never been able so, to capture my dreams. I mean, automatically. Um, sometimes I do. Sometimes I wake up and I can remember, but in most cases, I can't. Yeah. You have to be really fast sometimes, or the other way is sort of um, if there's a vivid image, you mm -hmm. can you can try and rehearse in your mind and remember mm -hmm. sometimes you can pull the dream back using mm -hmm. that vim yeah. vivid image now we, we, but, we i have mentioned various biblical scriptures and dream dreams and dream inter interpretation is in there and it says oh, yeah. the other side will speak to you in those dreams now yeah. you mentioned earlier and let me bring this up here and i'll get you get all yeah. here you brought this up about suicide here a couple times yeah. and what happens and as you probably recall uh i, I mentioned to you in, in a as we were getting ready for this show that I had a brother who, uh, who went, who took this route, I guess you could say, and let me go ahead and bring it up. Um, that's him right there, yeah. Thomas. That's my brother. And he committed suicide. He was on psychotropic drugs. They tried, you know, for one oh. reason or another, he got off of them and then he committed suicide. Now you have that book there and what, uh, and I'm sure if anybody in, in the live chat, if you've had somebody in your family or, you know, someone who's committed suicide, just say yes, a simple yes, you have in the live chat uh, it's a very somber kind of 
point of the show right here, especially for me. So, Doctor, what 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 do you have to say about what happens to people that commit suicide? We looked at three different types of suicide because we were kind of curious, are the experiences different? Um, so we looked at traditional suicide. We, we looked at assisted suicide when you had, you know, end of life, you were dying, you know. Um, and we looked at suicide bombers or suicide murder. And what I think surprised me most was that the, both the suicides and the, and the suicide murderers um, felt very othered. They felt they didn't have other options. Um, they had a lot of regrets. They had a lot of trouble moving forward. Um, I do believe that they're all eventually forgiven and that they all do eventually move forward, but it can be very hard. Uh, what was interesting to me was that with assisted suicide, um, we didn't see the regrets like that. Um, there were one or two who said, you know, um, I had actually written that suffering into my my blueprint, my plan, and this was what I was supposed to get out of it. And I kind of cut that short. I kind of regret that a little bit, but most of them didn't have regrets. The other types of suicides did. And, and I think the other thing is how devastating it is for the family and everyone left behind, because there's all these woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, why didn't I see the signs? Why couldn't I have stopped it? What if I had done something different? It's just devastating for the family. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of grief. And, so is, and the do, spirits on the other side can feel that. They're still connected to you. They can feel that. So a lot mm -hmm. of them had regrets about the pain they caused. Mm -hmm. those so they it, left behind. But, but I've, heard, I've heard that people say that people who commit suicide, uh, are, they, have, they may be trapped in some netherworld because they have an unfinished business and they... And see, this is this is a quandary too, because uh, as I mentioned, I think we sh showed a scripture earlier. Let me see if I can bring that back up, where it says um, here, like I get it back in the screen here, and I got to get myself back in there, and then I'm going to pull this back up here. Where is this here? Look here. Okay, so you know, it's appointed. Well, that's not it. Appointed once unto man to die. Where is that one there? This one. Here, there it is. Okay, so does in your view, and I know you're not claiming to be a biblical scholar, but it, it do people who commit suicide change this appointment? Um, I, from what I can see, they they do often end up in a in a in a bad place. Mm -hmm. um, but part of the problem isn't that God is unable to forgive them but that they're unable to forgive themselves. And it takes a long time sometimes for them to get past that, mm -hmm. to move forward. Mm -hmm. But I do believe eventually with the help of guides that, that they learn to move forward. It's mm -hmm. going to vary. It can be a very, very slow progress compared to somebody who dies of natural causes mm -hmm. and has um, different regrets or fewer regrets sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, it varies. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I've heard just, my now, belief is that all are forgiven and all eventually move on yeah. and and get past the life review and and are allowed to do spiritual work. One of the things we saw is a number of the people who channeled material for the suicide book mm -hmm. 
claim to have committed suicide themselves and become guides who specialized in greeting those who had taken their own lives. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to help, I would say, discourage that to let people know what they were getting into if they took that route. Um, and that was part of their spiritual work for moving forward. Yeah. Um, there is uh, several people in the live chat that have said yes to the question. Do they know somebody in their family or close to them that's committed suicide? Certainly there's numbers of them that's showing up in here. Uh, and it's, uh, and of course, somebody mentioned, of course, psychotropic drugs do make you suicidal. Uh, but then there's also uh, just recently today, I read something about a large number of military are also committing suicide. Yeah, that also has to go with with a, a, a sort of a depression, too, as well. People don't seem to have any hope. All hope right. is lost. I mean, hope, they feel out of choice. When, 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 when Jesse Jackson saying, keep hope alive, keep hope alive. Well, you know, I thought he's crazy, but that kind of makes some sense. You, we've got to have hope. In fact, I don't know if you ever know anything about this show. We have a segment called The Bear Report, and it, it, pre it precedes the interview between 8 and 8.30, and the bear calls in, and it gives us good news for the week, Good uh, people doing great things for other people, selfless acts of kindness, and that's telling me that hope is still alive, and I'm, I, I'm a hope builder, doctor. I want to build some hope out there to the people watching the show. Well, I would say, um, from my perspective, it's that, you know, we all move forward. We all keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, no matter what, some of us are a little faster than others, but we all move forward and mm -hmm. we all end up um, in what I would call the light or with God or in a good place. Well, well, well I tell people talk about moving forward. I say, don't be like Lot's wife. Because Lot's wife looked around at Sodom and she got turned into a pillar of salt. So there's a good lesson. And that's the thing about the dead, too. I mentioned earlier in the first hour, the dead need to stay dead, stay out of the world of the living. It's not their, their time's over. They don't get no more. And I'm killing them again, family. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a violent person, but there's somebody from the dead haunting me. You know, so stay back there. You stay dead. And then people don't spend your time looking in, in the past, but, but look forward and with well, hope. You got to look forward with hope. It varies. Are they helpful or are they not helpful? I mean, I, I, I know of a grandmother who had passed to the other side who would babysit. She would babysit her little, little kid for her daughter and son-in-law. So, I mean, okay, so are they helpful or are they not? Is this something that's benefiting people or is it holding okay, them back? Okay, let me jump out of the picture here because we're going back to your, your first stages here. And this is what this is. And, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm just giving you a platform to speak your views. I'm not saying I agree with everything, but certainly your views are, you know, are valid and we need to hear them. So uh, but there is another view out there because uh, so I, mm -hmm. I was doing some uh, some pre pre uh, research for the show about what happens after you die. And then there's something out there called the the one minute after a believer dies. And that, that popped up several places on the on the Internet. I was looking to see what happens, you know, because you had. I didn't know. I didn't see the time frame of, of what yours. That were. would be. That would be. Well, first you'd be recognizing you're dead, right? Yeah. Because otherwise you wouldn't. You wouldn't see the angels. Well, I hope you. Yeah. I, I think somebody you. would know. If but you know, if they're talking. But how can no, they recognize? No, they don't always figure it out. The problem is, they often describe feeling so alive that they can't. It's like that Bruce Willis movie, The Sixth Sense. Yeah. 
they're only seeing what they want to see, what they expect to see. It takes them a while sometimes to realize they're dead. I'm probably the only person who wasn't surprised by that movie. I was watching that movie and just after he was shot, I was like, I bet he's dead. And I'm watching the whole movie the first time and I'm thinking, I'm betting he's dead. He's just not seeing what's really going on. So at the end, I was like, yes, see, I knew it. He mm -hmm. just never saw it. Well, so in terms of the angels, you have to recognize you're dead first and separate from your body. So, so the angels would be meeting spirit helpers. Moving through levels, it can be instantaneous, just about going. And if you're straight at the light, to me, that's God's presence, that, mm -hmm. that energy. Well, if you, if, wow. if, but wait a minute. Yeah. If, if you're yep. dead, if you're dead, you say you got to realize you're dead. Yes. But if you're realizing, then you're not dead, are you? You can't be realizing no, if you're dead. No, you can realize you're dead. You can be looking down at your body and going, holy cow, that was me. What happened? Mm -hmm. And you look and the spirits are going, you've died. It's time to go to the, go with us. Mm -hmm. and, and we're going to mm -hmm. help you meet, you know, or there might be mm -hmm. people to meet mm -hmm. you that um, mm. that you want to see. Family relatives, for example. By the, Your by mom the, might visit. By, by the way, this one minute looks like that's for people that know Christ there. So I'm just pointing that out. So somebody think, hey, you got right, a, right. I, got, and, I, I got a free ride here. All right, let's and get... feel, feel they deserve to be in God's presence. Well, You've got that self-belief too. So... Well, I'm, I'm all about love over here. Hey, got, got more questions. Let me try to rip through them sure. real quick here. Um, what's the difference between remote viewing and psychic abilities? Are they the same thing? Ooh, that's a good question, actually, because I've studied controlled remote viewing with Lynn Buchanan, who is one of the guys who um, was part of that original Stargate project for the CIA. Um, it's, it's really interesting Remote viewing is you're sort of you're creating your unconscious mind is creating almost a, a duplicate of whatever the target is, um, and most psychics find it incredibly frustrating because because the way you're doing it is you're separating it. You learn to separate out different types of descriptors by what's most apt to be garbage and what's mm -hmm. most apt to be legit. Okay. And you're going through different levels and there's a moment when you have an emotional connection to the target you look like you've done some crv and then and then you get a little more connected and you start getting more details but i can have a hundred percent hit rate on my final summary of what i got with remote viewing which is a this technique created by ango swan and and used in the stargate project and i won't have a clue what i was looking at and every single thing I say is accurate. And I have no idea. Um, with, so I think of it as going from the details towards what it is. With psychic, you tend to start with what it is and then you work towards the details. So it's a different way of getting information. Um, what's interesting is a lot of people who do remote viewing for a long period of time develop more psychic abilities, maybe because your unconscious is like, you know, you know, screw this. We're, we're going to do the shortcut. We're just going to go straight to the target, you know, and see it for what it is instead of, you know, playing this game of getting there. Um, but they do seem to be different. Um, and there's certainly different approaches and you get different levels of information. And um, there are times I will do both just because you get such different levels of details. Wow. That's a great answer. All right. It was a very good question. Hey, yeah. how, how about this question out of the live chat? And by the way, uh, people got to 
a few more minutes here. Uh, if you have a question for the good doctor, just put it in the live chat. Smoke C says, Doctor, is it possible to skip the afterlife or mm -hmm. choose your next destination, so to speak? Nope. I don't believe it is. You're stuck? I mean, there's an order that you can't get out of? Um, yeah, you can do it at different state at different speeds. There are certain stages you can skip through. For example, you don't have to go to your funeral. You don't have to visit people who were alive. But um, they are not going to let you skip the judgment phase. Uh-uh. Because that's where you learn. That's where you grow. That's when you become a better person. So that if you are someone who, you know, is going to then go to the next stage is your spiritual work. So it might be, and it's self-chosen. Do I want mm -hmm. to do something, you know, that like act as a guide for somebody I care about or mm -hmm. act as a guide for somebody who's going through the same thing I went through? Because it's another way of learning. We all know that one of the best ways to learn is to teach. So it well, sort those, of reinforces well, wait a minute, whatever wait a you've been learning. I don't, I don't know. They, they say those that can't do teach. I don't know. Is it? That, <laughs> but, My but, parents were teachers. Um, no, sometimes that's, that's that can't true. be true. You know, the, the best thing but, you do is teach. If you can teach somebody to fish, they can feed themselves for a lifetime. Yeah. So I, I, I've got no problem with teaching. I, I don't like it. I don't like that line there. That you who, who made that up? Sound like a Debbie but, Downer. But I do think Probably you can learn a lot by teaching others because they'll yeah. ask questions that are very good and mm -hmm. that you may not have thought of. Mm -hmm. And in helping explain it, then well, you learn too. You talk yeah. about not getting out of your getting out of your life review. I mean, we, we've showed a couple times that's that that scripture of, of Hades where you go if you don't know God and then you go to this place and. But it says later then, it says that you get that life review and you're, if, you, if you're in that place and then you get your life review, it is not going to be good no matter what you say, you know, because the scales will be balanced, good deeds and bad deeds. And I got a feeling that it's like a brick boink, on the bad deeds, you know, kind of like in the Ten Commandments. All right. well, well, I will mention again, I mentioned it briefly before, um, part of the reason you have guides to help you through the judgment phase is that some people do judge themselves too harshly and they don't they want you to see the good not just the bad mm -hmm. because you've got to see a true balance mm -hmm. on the other hand you get some psychopaths who want to say everything they did was good and they aren't going to get away with it there, they're not there, going to be allowed that. there there is a workaround it says if you judge yourself you won't be judged what that what that basically is mm -hmm. saying it's kind of like you've been saying really and that is We've yeah. got to focus on, 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 on living the best life we can because we're only here for a nanosecond. You know, we're just grass that withers in the daylight sun, you know. So, um, so uh, yeah, it's best to try to stay focused on doing the good deeds so you don't end up having to get in that situation. All right, so here we go. Let's ask uh, another question. Who, uh, who are the spirit guides you speak of? Well, well they can be different levels of of uh, being and you may not even have just a single spirit guide or group of spirit guides in your life they can sort of come and go you get some specialists like i say sometimes their spiritual work is to is to sort of be a specialist in certain areas um so i've seen spirit guides come and go a lot of times um, you will have relatives with you grandparents are extremely common to see around somebody um, I mean, extremely common. It doesn't mean they're there all the time, but they'll often be there just to sort of, you know, surround you with love every once in a while when you need it, encouragement, that kind of stuff. So. Okay. Alrighty. Um, 
Teflon Co says, Doctor, when you dream, are you really spirit traveling? Well, there are people who do spirit travel during dreaming. And there's also lucid dreamers who will use it as a way of getting accurate psychic information. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, I usually, when I'm dreaming, I'm usually just dreaming unless I specifically want to uh, connect with a certain spirit. Um, every once in a while, you'll have shared dreams. Those are really interesting where it appears you and other people will go somewhere in the astral. It's like what he's talking about. And you'll have these really weird details and you'll wake up the next morning and go, whoa, that was some dream. And you're talking to, you call up a friend and they had the same dream and they're pulling mm. up the same details. So you're mm. like, it varies. <laughs> mm. Okay. So I had, I had a very lucid dream the other day. So let's do uh -huh. some dream interpretation. Mm -hmm. So there's this tower. It looked like mm -hmm. it was some sort of a radio tower, cell phone tower, and it reached all the way up to the stratosphere. And um, then it began to fall. And it and it fell and it fell across the land and smashed a bunch of stuff. But it, it landed next to a factory. And the factory had cars in it. And they were all sprayed with something. And I understood in my dream that that was sprayed to protect them from nuclear... Uh, radiation and then uh, and then I'm in the dream driving as fast as I can to get away from it what meanest the dream thereof Dr. Well, it's gonna one thing I would warn people who do want to interpret their own dreams is that there is a certain amount of very personal uh, symbology okay. involved so the first thing I always ask someone is, what do they think it meant? Because that way they can tell me what their personal symbols are. Mm. And that will add to the meaning. Mm -hmm. You also have to separate out how much is just general fear? How much is recap of something you happen to see that day? Did mm. you see a disaster right. movie? Right, right. right. Um, so so you just like everything else when you're dealing with the paranormal, you're trying to separate out all the different factors and generally speaking when you figure out the right answer you'll know it i mean mm. there's this sense of rightness mm -hmm. you know yeah you in know your heart what, what one of the biggest paranormal events ever recorded was where jesus was crucified and killed went into a tomb dead mm. and came out alive three days later isn't that the isn't that the definition of paranormal well, you would have you would have religious scholars argue that, and in fact, some of the most interesting writers, uh, one of the most interesting writers, is Herbert Thurston, who was a Catholic priest, very devout. And one of the things the Catholic Church was very concerned about was separating out true miracles from God from paranormal abilities of humans. And so they really, some of the the best books I've read were in the fifties. And they're incredible, incredibly well thought out in terms of looking at, is this of God? Is this of human? Or is this of God working through a human? Mm -hmm. okay. And and so they, they, they would go through that whole rigmarole. Uh, I would say, though, based on the fact that so many times you see paranormal things with um, the saints and others appear to be cultural mm -hmm. that they're certainly shaped by the person who's 
experiencing them okay. if, if it's not created by them instead okay. of by okay. God. Okay, so you're not going to help me with my dream interpretation. But well, gonna... I actually love dream interpretation, but I would start by saying, what do you think it means and well, explore it from there? Well, I would think it means that <laughs> it was a cell tower and I'm tired of getting one bar on my on my thing. <laughs> and so I'm going to blow the world up with a nuclear bomb that somebody gives me four bars because I got four bars on my phone and now I never get four bars. That doesn't feel right. I so, think it, I, that doesn't feel right. Could it also be though, since you have your own podcast or own radio show that you're trying to reach the heavens, you're trying to reach okay, okay. the world and yeah. and it's frustrating. Say, say on, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm about ready to hit the big I don't time. know. But, but, but whenever I'm doing dream, I do a lot of dream interpretation for friends. So I would just say, um, one of the things I do is I always explore what the symbology means to them. And, and I also um, always accept feedback because mm -hmm. symbols can be very personal and, and what those symbols would mean to me wouldn't be the same as to you. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm in the mood to interpret somebody's dream. Freely speaking says, uh, when I was a boy, I slipped off a water. Wait a minute. This is not a dream. I thought it was a dream. Oh, well, when I was, <laughs> I'm going to interpret it anyway. Uh, when I was a boy, I slipped off a waterfall and fell 30 feet onto the rocks below. I was mm -hmm. unconscious and floating above my body. I said, yeah. I'm dead. Then I was back in my body. Did I really die? No, I don't think he died. What he had was an out-of-body experience, which we can have in traumatic moments. And I think might be, I don't know for a fact, but they might be a little more common when it's a, when there's a question of, are you going to go back to your body or not? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I've, I've done that. Something happens, you popping out of your body and you're seeing it well, and well, back and you're if not you, What dead. if you start popping out? And, uh, you know, say you got some bills to pay and you really don't want to pay them. So you're thinking, hey, I just go and check out now and I got to worry about them bills. I mean, can you? Oh, your body is still there. It's just your consciousness is separating from your body. Yeah. They've done some interesting studies <laughs> that show that show we seem to have thoughts before the brain reflects those thoughts. So so the question is, are you having consciousness is outside the body sort of to begin with and then reflecting down into the body, the thoughts and the stuff. Mm -hmm. And you think it's all connected, but sometimes they get separated. Well, we have, I don't we, know. Well, we have this graphic from your website, the implications of non-locality. Aren't you talking about non-locality? Non-locality is a little different than that. Non-locality is saying everywhere is here. Mm -hmm. So you can act anywhere on anything, anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little different than what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I tried some of that non-locality on somebody. I said, uh, I am you, you are me, and I should have access to your bank account. And, and again, I struck out. I just keep getting it wrong, doctor. And that's why I wanted to have you on the, the show. See if you could kind of enlighten well, me a little bit. Well, materialism doesn't tend to get you as far because if you were them and they are you, then you wouldn't necessarily, you might, you might want to share, you might not want to share. Well, then, then the guy starts singing, I can't go for that. Uh, I can't go for that. <clears throat> so I didn't, that, that didn't work. But I, I agree with you though about consciousness or, or even a dream. It seems to me those aren't local. I, I just can't explain it. It doesn't seem like it's manufactured because something has to put those pieces in a coherent film, you know, into a movie. Something's got to assemble those parts. 
And I, I don't know if really explained, no scientist has ever explained that. One of the great consciousness is a great mystery. That kind of goes with the afterlife. It's a great mystery. People have been searching the afterlife and wondering for thousands of years since, since some people came out of a cave, they came out with a club. I didn't come from that group. I came from a better group. But some of the people came, they come from these eight people and they didn't make, they didn't make, they had any sense anyway. So I don't know if they was looking for the afterlife or not. They were looking for a banana or something. So, hey, we're getting near the end of the broadcast. Uh, Doctor, um, by the way, welcome Vivinka Amato, Bert, uh, Robert Birdsall, and Nine Lives all to the show. Uh, tell us about your website. What can people find there? Oh, well, my website is my name, PamelaHeath.com, and it has no advertising. It does not track people. I don't, I don't, uh, if it collects data, I don't know about it. And what? I'm the webmaster, so I ought to know about it. Wait a minute. Um, you, do, wait, 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 wait. Do you use cookies? Um, I think everything has cookies, but it doesn't collect or save them. Okay. I don't, I don't get them. Nah, I just don't. Uh, um, basically what I wanted to do was give people a source of information, um, that's more trustworthy than Wikipedia, which is just a disaster, mm -hmm. you know, in mm -hmm. terms of inaccuracy, mm -hmm. um, and try to answer some common questions. In fact, if I get enough questions from people by email, I'll add it to my FAQ pages. Mm. Um, I have speeches, slideshows, videos, stuff you can download. Everything there is free mm -hmm. and everything is without advertisements. Mm. Well, you know, I, I, I'm glad you came to that. I came to that myself. I, for a while, I did like everybody else at YouTube. You hit the monetization and I thought, you know what? I can't stand it when I go somewhere and, and somebody, you know, because really, if you have a life-saving piece of information do you really want to charge make somebody watch a commercial to give it to them i mean nah. these paywalls is 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 it's just out of hand people put them everywhere yeah. read three three words and you got a paywall it's like you really don't want to help me There's you want me to finance so i took it yeah. off i just stopped monetizing a couple of years ago i just won't i just won't do it so there's nothing on my side either so there you go yeah it's just it just these these are common answers that I hope help people that are struggling with questions I heard other people struggling with, especially um, it's very frustrating that so few people have actually read the research because it's, it's, we have formal experimental research since the 1880s. And there's actually an online parapsychology library that, that anyone can subscribe to and read all the journal data, text searchable that they want. Um, so, there are links on my website to that library. But the main thing is, don't believe it. When people tell you there are no answers for this stuff and science hasn't looked at it, they're wrong. They just haven't bothered to read the research. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, Dr. Pamela Heath, I appreciate you talking about uh, the handbook, The Afterlife. Uh, well, 2022 is coming up. So you got any big plans? What, what's your New Year's resolution? <laughs> I don't make New Year's resolutions. I'm just hoping that it's a better year for all of us because last year was, was pretty awful for most people. My new year's resolution is not to make one. And I think that's one I can actually keep. <laughs> Good for you. All right, Doctor. Yeah, I gave up on them years ago. Okay. Hey, I appreciate you coming on the show. All right. Thank Bye. you so much. Bye-bye.